Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God is one. Amen. Quinquagesima. Quinquagesima. That's how you pronounce this Sunday, if you're curious. It means the 50th, because this is the Sunday within the fifth decade of days leading up to Easter, because that's how the Romans counted things in decades. So we are at the third and last Sunday within the pre-Lenten season, which means this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday and the beginning of the fast of Lent. Uh, So today's gospel passage, um, today's epistle and gospel passage, are very Uh, intentionally and specially chosen to speak to us today within our place in the liturgical calendar. So let's explore why the epistle and gospel passages were chosen for this particular Sunday and what they mean for us and how they help to uh, usher us into the beginning of Lent. In the story, Jesus gathers his 12 disciples together with him Um, The fact that he has 12 disciples now means it's late in his uh, ministry. You know, he went for some of his ministry with only a few disciples, and he gathered more along the way. Now all 12 are with him. This is near the end of his three-year ministry, and he calls them all together and says, we're going up to Jerusalem. Now, they knew that uh, this was something Jesus did for the um, feast of the Passover every year, but there was... I think, a sense of uh, more gravity to this because he gathered them together and told them, and this is what's going to happen. The Son of Man is going to be uh, betrayed, uh, scourged, and put to death. (laughs) And the gospel says that they didn't understand what he was saying, that for some reason this uh, saying was hidden from them. So they didn't get exactly what he was saying, even though he laid it out clearly. They were almost blinded, as it were. But they knew that this was a a grave, um, important thing that they were going to do in Jerusalem, and so they set out toward Jerusalem. They are going up. And as they get near the town of Jericho, one of the most ancient cities in that part of the world, uh, we know Jericho as the place that uh, Joshua sacked uh, through faith, in God and doing what, uh, trusting in God's action instead of his own or or their army. And so they get to this area and this solemn assembly of Jesus and his disciples and presumably all the other people following him, uh, because he was, again, pretty famous at this point. People, as we're about to see, they knew him by name. They knew what he could do. And so they get to uh, just about Jericho and this a group of people following Jesus in all their gravitas (laughs) hear something. They hear a man crying out to Jesus from the side of uh, the road that they're about to pass. And it's because someone had told the man, yeah, this is Jesus coming. The man who is a blind man could hear this whole group of people and knowing Jesus by name, knowing his reputation, what he can do, he starts to cry out. And this cry shatters the solemn gravity of the procession. And uh, those with Jesus would have gone to shush the man up. Like, be quiet. <laughs> this is an important thing we're doing. Just, you don't need to break the, the, the moment here. 
But the man, when he is shushed, cries out even louder, even more uh, desperately, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. He's drawing the attention of this whole crowd to himself and expecting, I don't know what the, the people with Jesus were expecting, but what they got was Jesus stopping this whole train, right? And saying, bring that man to me. And so all of a sudden, the mood is, is turned upside down, right? <laughs> Jesus stopped. He stood still. And the whole crowd had to awkwardly come to a stop as they're walking with him. And he commanded that that man be brought. So Jesus doesn't just like, excuse me, I'm going to go see this guy. He says, no, bring that man here to where I am. And the whole mindset of the crowd has changed from solemn march to childlike wonder, I'd have to imagine. What is Jesus doing? Why is he stopping this whole thing to talk to this one noisy vagabond, this beggar? And so the man is brought to Jesus and he says, what do you want from me? This question that Jesus asks this man is why in the church's sacraments of baptism and chrismation, the priest acting in the place of Christ asks the person coming in, what do you want of the church? This comes from Jesus' question. What do you want of me? What do you want me to do? This makes the man in the story, and it also makes those coming to the church for baptism and chrismation own, sort of uh, be responsible for their own part in their healing. Sight is what the man answers Jesus. And he was healed by what? Jesus says, by faith. Jesus doesn't say, I am now healing you. There, you're healed. He says, your faith has given you your sight. And so in the church, when the priest asks us, what is it that you want of the church? The answer coming from the lesson we learn in today's gospel is faith. That's what we answer. We want faith from the church because that is the powerful actor in today's gospel. Jesus is always willing to heal, but he doesn't always have the right amount of faith to work with. We have a duty in our own healing. We need to exhibit faith in order to work with God in our life. From this story, we actually have two examples to follow. We have two main actors, Jesus and the blind man. And so from Jesus' example and the blind man's example, we have two paths to follow. As for Jesus, in following Jesus, we have him set in a forward direction going toward Jerusalem. And that is why this is placed today in our, uh, in our Mass right at the beginning of Lent, because the Lenten journey is a journey toward Jerusalem. Now, as we'll see next Sunday for the first Sunday in Lent, we also um, see that Lent follows the pattern of Jesus' 40-day fast in the desert. There's a dual character to Lent. So there is that 40-day fast character, but there's also this directional character, this onward march toward Jerusalem. And what is that Jerusalem? It is our death. Lent is the way that we follow Jesus to our own death. The whole point of Lent is learning to die to ourselves. It's why we give up things, we train our bodies, we train our wills 
to learn to trust only in God. And when we learn that lesson fully, then not only are we not afraid of death, we welcome death. We welcome our own participation in Christ's death because he, as we know on this side of the resurrection, conquers it. And so the only way to participate in Jesus' conquering of death is to join him in it, to walk with him straight into the doors of death, knowing that he is the victor. And so that's what the Lenten journey is. It's us walking with Jesus to his death and to ours so that we can learn that whatever we're holding on to in this life, whatever we're putting our trust in, whether it's our jobs, our families, uh, saving up, uh, the, our, our children, our legacy, um, making a name for ourselves, uh, God forbid, whether it's just enjoying pleasure while we, we can now, the point is to give up all of that, to change our way of thinking and to set our sights with Jesus on Jerusalem. So that's, that's Jesus' example for us in this story. What about the blind man? So learning from the blind man, we understand that we, we don't, it's, it doesn't come naturally for us to walk straight into the doors of death, right? We have issues. <laughs> the blind man needed sight. We also need sight in all kinds of ways. We are blinded to our own sins. We're blinded to our shortcomings. We're blinded to the way God works in the world around us, the way God works within people around us. We're blinded to uh, the people around us who need love. And so in so many ways, we need to call out to Christ in those areas of blindness so that he can grant us sight and restore us to the proper vision. There's a, an interesting contrast here in this gospel between the 12 disciples who are close to Jesus, who should know his business and know what is going on. But when Jesus tells them in no uncertain terms exactly what the plan is, the saying was hid from them. They didn't know what he meant. They were blinded. And then immediately, what do we have? We have a blind man who receives sight through faith. I think the implication is that the disciples were blinded because they didn't have the requisite faith to see and perceive what Jesus was saying. And it's the same with us. We are literally being told Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, mass after mass, how this works, what the deal is. God is in charge of everything. He is our life. He's our salvation. All of our existence hangs on him. And yet, what do we do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday? We find ways to forget that. We find ways to not put God at the very center of our lives every moment of every day. Why do we do that? It's because we were blinded again. We get distracted. There are all kinds of things that we end up worrying about more. We, we don't have the strength to hold on to this reality that we're here to learn for one single day. I can't even hold on to it for hours after the Mass. I'm immediately forgetting that I just communed with the God who created me, that I just ate his flesh and drank his blood, that God is here in this moment saving us and leading us into his very life, which means into his death. We only participate in his life once we participate in his death. So, yes, we need the constant reminders. We need to... to be calling out to Christ in desperation 
Give me sight so that I know how this works. Remind me, give me perspective. Fix me and order me so that I can follow you. Because that's what the blind man does as soon as he receives his sight. He hops up and starts following Jesus. How long had he been there right outside of Jericho on the road? Blind, not able to travel himself, just stuck in the same place. And as soon as he receives his sight, what does he do? Thanks, you know, walk into Jericho and, and got that sorted. No, he follows Jesus to Jerusalem, to, to a city that he doesn't, he's not familiar with. He doesn't know any of this. It's the first time he's seen any of this. And so he, he does what he ought to do after receiving sight. He follows Jesus. We have another contrast in the story, one of motion and one of stillness. Jesus was walking and heard the blind man calling out. So in following Jesus, that's also the lesson that we're supposed to learn is to follow him in charity, to not be so distracted like the disciples in this solemn march, but to be prepared to give up our solemnity, to lay down the gravitas of whatever it is we happen to be involved in if a situation requiring charity presents itself. The lesson from Jesus is stop, drop the gravitas, and help whoever needs helping. I mean, that's, that's where the epistle comes in. Listen to the, the call it for today, picking up on this lesson from St. Paul's words in the epistle. O Lord, who has taught us that all our doings without charity are worth nothing, send your Holy Ghost and pour into our hearts that most excellent gift of charity, the very bond of peace and of all virtues, without which whosoever lives is counted dead before thee. <laughs> St. Paul made it clear, without charity, none of the other stuff is worth anything. That's a massive part of this Lenten journey. It's a massive part of being committed to dying with Christ, being willing to stop and do whatever needs to be done for those who God has put in our path. So this, this journey toward Lent is an incredibly important way for us to practice walking with Christ and stopping for charity. If we're walking with Christ, then we stop for charity. Again, that, that crowd would have just kept going. It took Christ to stop the whole train. And so that's why we have this story here at the beginning of the end of pre-Lent, the beginning of Lent. This is our last chance to really make an effort to set our sights toward Jerusalem with Jesus and to be prepared to stop along the way for whatever God has put in our path so that we, by the time we get to Jerusalem, are fully prepared, that we are fully trained up in acts of charity, in giving up our, um, the, the little things that we don't need, learning to trust in Christ, learning to, to follow him and take our cues from him. And when we finally get to Holy Week, we see what happens to our Lord. And we may be horrified by it. We ought to be horrified by it. Because what we're seeing is the result of the sins of the world, the result of our sins. We are part of the world, and our sins are part of the things that nailed our Savior to the cross. But if we have made a good uh, journey through Lent, then we are prepared 
to stand with him at the foot of the cross instead of abandoning him like most of his disciples. That's what we're doing here, preparing ourselves to stand with Christ at the foot of the cross and to wait for him to emerge from that tomb with our life in his hands. So let's follow Christ resolutely, looking for opportunities for charity. Let's uh, simultaneously cry out to Christ within our own areas of blindness, seeking to be restored so that we can better follow him and seeking to ultimately reach Jerusalem with him and stand with him in the resurrection light, coming out of that tomb and shining from the bottom of creation to the top. That's our ultimate goal. That's our promise. But in this world, with degrees of blindness that we are always going to be fighting and praying against, this season, this season is the time to train ourselves and to become sighted and not blinded, to leave the things that we don't need behind so that we can put all of our trust in God. And today we have a wonderful opportunity to do that. Since we won't be able to do it on Shrove Tuesday, we're making today Shrove Sunday. And after, uh, after the service, we will have opportunities to make our sacramental confession and begin Lent on the right foot to not be tripped up on our first step of this journey, but to, to, do, it, to do it well from the start. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, God is one. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.